time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome once again to the Tech Mobility Show, America's program of news, information, and perspective at the intersection of mobility and technology. I'm Ken Chester, and let's get started. On the docket. My review of the Chevrolet Colorado ZR2 pickup truck, boring technology gets an upgrade, and why the warehousing industry is reaching out to gig workers. To join the conversation, be it to ask a question, share an opinion, or even suggest a topic for future discussion, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline. That number, 872-222-9793, or you can email the show, talk at techmobility.show, and that is Talk at techmobility.show. From the Tech Mobility News Desk, a word, Rivion. There's a lot to say. I'm going to only talk about uh, their expansion into electric van sales. The first question is, why? The second question is, do they really think they're going to be competitive? Now, the reason why I express all this doubt, well, before I do that, let me back up a minute. Rivion got a lot of money from Amazon. Part of that was to build for Amazon 100,000 delivery trucks, electric delivery trucks. We know that deliveries across the board for everybody have kind of slowed down and drawn back and Amazon's kind of pulled in a little bit. So the question is, the first question that I'm asking is, is Rivion's decision based in part because of retrenchment by Amazon? In other words, maybe they're not going to, you know, build 100,000 for them. Maybe it's 50 or 60 or 70,000, which leaves them with extra capacity and a commitment they've already made with suppliers to provide the materials they need to build these trucks they were contracted to build. Or does Rivion think, that there's enough room in the industry to where there would be an opportunity for them to sell these delivery trucks. Bear in mind, they're electric delivery trucks that were engineered to be, but they're not alone. The one that comes to mind immediately is GM's Bright Drop subsidiary, and they're building two sizes of theirs and delivering them right now. But even GM and Rivion aren't alone. There are scores of companies in this space trying to build something similar to what GM through Brightdrop and Rivion through the expanded electric van sale capacity are building. What does Rivion think they know that the rest of the world doesn't know? And what are they looking to do with respect to volume? Let me just read. I'll read the press release. Maybe, maybe we can sort this out. Rivion Automotive has expanded the availability of its Rivion commercial van, initially exclusive to Amazon, to a broader market. This strategic move invites companies globally to modernize their delivery fleets with Rivion's electric vehicles, emphasizing environmental benefits. Rivion, you're not Tesla. When Tesla came along and would make a pitch like this, back in the day with their semi, they were first. You're not first. So the question is, that sounds good on paper, 
But I really wonder at this point, as trucking fleets, large and small, are looking at making the move to decarbonize their fleets, if the Rivion choice is the best choice. Now, I could go on through the press release where they talk about how providing access to its electric commercial van could significantly impact CO2 emissions. The reason why I'm kind of blasé, again, is because this is a crowded field. I could name names, but you would not recognize most of the companies in the space because they're business-to-business companies currently right now either with chassis or building EV chassis for this type of vehicle and what we call medium-duty vehicles. They're not alone. And to be honest with you, UPS, FedEx, they've been evaluating vehicles from Rivion's competitors now for a while. The U.S. Postal Service, same thing. Everybody's trying to decarbonize. It's not as if this is like the groundbreaking news it might have been two to three years ago. I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. And I'm really wondering what's going on. Now, we'll talk about the vehicle itself. The van is built with top-tier safety features, including automatic emergency braking collision warnings. Most vehicles are now. Coupled with its 360-degree visibility. That's called surround view. You can get it pretty much in any mid-range, upper-range vehicle, SUV or car. Right now, nothing new there. Rivion maintains a strong alliance with Amazon with shared ambitions to decarbonize delivery services, aligning with Amazon's climate pag- pledge. And, okay, two van sizes offering a maximum payload of 2,734 pounds and a gross vehicle weight rating of 9,500 pounds. Rivion's proprietary software enhances fleet management through data analytics and remote functionalities. Okay, but again, anybody who's developed an electric commercial vehicle is building in the telematics and diagnostics. Again, not new, Rivian. Anybody's doing it. Trust me when I tell you, Brightdrop, Atlas, a whole bunch of other companies that are in this space right now are doing the same thing. Ford, for Pete's sakes, everybody. Their argument is by opening up its electrical commercial van to a wider market, Rivion is positioning itself as a leader in the EV industry while contributing to the reduction of greenhouse gases. Rivion, look, look. If you are offering this vehicle at a price point that's competitive, I could see you being there as maybe an alternative to Bright Drop and some of the others. The fact that you do have Amazon in your pocket lets you get certain economies of scale that some of these other folks don't have. Again, save for GM. But the question is, unless you are bringing more value to the party at a lower price point or something, I think you're going to find it tough for sledding. And I'm still looking to see my first Rivion Amazon van. (laughs) I haven't seen one yet. I really want to see one. I've seen pictures, but I haven't seen one in the wild. Although I've seen a number of Rivion's R1Ts and R1Ss out there. I've seen their trucks and I've seen um, their SUVs. But then again, we're six from here in Des Moines, we're six hours from the plant. So the chances of us seeing something like that are greater. That although we've got a major Amazon hub in Greater Des Moines area, we still haven't seen, at least I haven't yet, these electric fans. So I, I just got to ask, I really do, 
what a lot of people don't realize, and maybe you don't either, is the big groundswell right now of business-to-business solutions that are electric. Some companies like Bollinger, we reported in uh, the medium-duty space, are building chassis for upfitting. Other companies like GM, through their Bright Drop subsidiaries, are building total electric fans in two sizes being delivered in real time. Have I think I've seen one of those at an auto show, but I haven't seen one of those in the wild yet either, and I'm looking forward to it. But the question does possess itself. Is Rivian expanding out because of a cutback by Amazon, or are they looking to get volume? Are they getting economies of scale that give them a competitive edge? There's, I mean, just like the auto industry when it started over 100 years ago, there were a lot of companies that said, yeah, we're going to build a car. If you were a machine shop, if you were a tractor manufacturer, everybody dabbled. Everybody tried to bring something to market. Some people did. They got as far as actually building a vehicle or two or three. A lot of them never made it off the drawing board. Some of them never made it out of prototype. Some of them got going only to run out of money and go out of business. I don't know. Rivian just recently also announced that they were groundbreaking for their second plant in Georgia. No comment of whether or not they will have van making capabilities down there. Now, one of the advantages that they may have is that with two plants and the ability to deliver this stuff regionally might be an edge. But honestly, it's going to boil down to this. You're going to have to be as good as everybody else but at a price point that's lower. GM has decades of building vehicles. So, you know, to build another power plant um, or another powertrain situation, that's superimposed on decades of manufacturing and scaling up. Rivian's still learning how to scale up. So the question is, where are they really? So I guess we will find out and uh, see how that goes. But I thought I'd share that with you. Because I found it interesting that, you know, and still no comment on Amazon's number, or whether or not this is a result of that or something else. Up next is my review of the extremely capable Chevrolet Colorado ZR2. You are listening to the Tech Mobility Show. Are you tired of juggling multiple apps and platforms for meetings, webinars, and staying connected? Look no further than AONMeetings.com, the all-in-one browser-based platform that does it all. With AON Meetings, you can effortlessly communicate with clients, host virtual meetings and webinars, and stay in touch with family and friends, all in one place and for one price. Here's the best part. You can enjoy a 30-day free trial. It's time to simplify your life and boost your productivity. AONMeetings.com, where innovation meets connection. Get started today and revolutionize the way you communicate. Social media is the main place to be these days, and we are no exception. I'm Ken Chester, the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Facebook videos. From my latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary of a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Facebook. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. Be sure to subscribe to our Facebook page. Social media is the place to be these days, and we're no exception. I'm Ken Chester of the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Instagram videos. 
From the latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary on a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Instagram. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. For those of you that listen to podcasts, we have just the one for you. Hi, I'm Ken Chester. Tech Mobility Topics is a podcast where I upload topic-specific videos each week. Shorter than the full show, these bite-sized programs are just the thing, particularly if you're interested in a particular topic covered on the weekly radio show. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many podcast platforms in between, we got you covered. Just enter Tech Mobility Topics in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. Kinder, gentler, no way. Chevy S10 pickup, powered by the biggest V6 available, Chevy trucks. The trucks you can depend on, the trucks that last. I love those commercials, and I like that particular song from Bob Seger. Um, And they sold a lot of trucks, a lot of small trucks, and they didn't play. But when it comes to small pickup trucks, Chevrolet has had a long and complicated history. Back in the 1970s, the automaker did what every other domestic manufacturer at the time was doing to quickly respond to the one-two punch of an oil embargo and inflation. It teamed up with a Japanese manufacturer for some badge engineering. And that means rebadging one of their models that is already in production as one of their own, usually to quickly fill a gap in its product line. To that end, the Japanese automaker was Isuzu, and the truck that was the and the truck was the compact Isuzu Faster rebranded as the Chevy Love for American markets. That would be followed up by Chevy's domestically built S10 pickups, which were introduced in 1981 for the 1982 model year. Chevy was the first of the big three to bring its compact, quote, quarter ton, unquote, pickup to the marketplace. The Chevrolet Colorado and its twin, the GMC Canyon, that replaced the S10 for the 2004 model year, is based on the GMT 355 platform. And, all new, and the all-new GM pickup truck became the basis for an Isuzu-marketed pickup truck, kind of an interesting turnabout, called the i-Series from 2005 to 2008. The trucks were initially manufactured at GM's Shreveport, Louisiana plant. Chevy Colorado would end up going on a hiatus in America for 2013 and 2014 with an all-new second-generation model hitting the marketplace for the 2015 model year. With a $350 million, I'm sorry, $380 million upgrade to its Wentzville, Missouri manufacturing plant, the second-generation Colorado also advanced in size and is now considered to be a mid-sized pickup truck right as that segment was poised to take off. The aggressive ZR2 was first introduced as a concept at the 2014 Los Angeles Auto Show. Due to positive feedback, a production-ready version was introduced just two years later at the 2016 Los Angeles Auto Show, which joined the 2017 lineup. Now in its third generation, the all-new mid-sized Colorado shares its chassis and frame with a much larger Silverado pickup truck. And although the Colorado is available in five trim levels, this review is of the ZR2 only. All Colorado models are available only in a crew cab short box body style with more aggressive proportions and a wider, more confident stance. 
Power for the Colorado ZR2 is provided by a high-output version of the 2.7-liter turbocharged four-cylinder gasoline engine that makes 310 horsepower and 430 foot-pounds of torque. Energy is communicated to all four wheels via hydromatic 8L80 Gen 2 8-speed automatic transmission. Fuel economy is 16 city, 16 highway. Payload capacity is 1,151 pounds. Towing capacity is 6,000 pounds. The Colorado ZR2 offers the same amenities as the Z71, but is heavily tailored towards off-road performance. Amen. Chevrolet designed many new parts specifically for the ZR2 to improve off-road performance. New features and parts, standard or optional in the ZR2 include a 3.5-inch wider track, 2-inch lift, Multimatic dynamic suspension spool valve dampers, electric locking front and rear differentials, longer cast iron control arms, aggressive front bumper and bill with improved approach angle, redesigned rear bumper for improved departure angle, wider fender flares, aluminum skid plates to protect radiator, oil pan and front differential, rock sliders, a beefy Goodyear Wrangler Territory ME, I'm sorry, MT LT 285-70R17. 33-inch diameter mud-terrain tires. Standard equipment for the Colorado ZR2 also includes unique Artemis interior color with stripe-colored accents and ZR2 badging, as well as unique rotary-controlled trim. Additional standard content includes heated front seats, eight-way power driver's seat, spray-on bed liner, and newly designed high-clearance front fascia, including cutout corners, modified front and rear bumpers for better approach and departure angles, and an off-road obstacle clearance. To support the new Colorado's increased off-road and trailering capabilities, there are up to five selectable drive modes, each tailored for a different driving condition, and they include normal, tow haul, which is transmission shift points, Throttle response and additional calibrations optimized for trailering and hauling. Off-road, specific tractive and other dynamic performance features designed for general off-payment driving. Terrain, designed for low-speed rock crawling with specific throttle control, brake performance and other calibrations. And Baja, 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 developed for high-speed desert running with specific throttle control, transmission shifting, and other body drivetrain control calibrations. Think beach. You know, the commercial going along the beach. Baja mode. Okay. Here's what I liked about the vehicle. When it comes to off-roading, <laughs> the ZR2 is the real deal. With front and rear lockable axles, on-demand four-wheel drive, including four low, and a variety of drive modes, and off-road mode is my favorite, this Chevy is down for almost anything. I decided to take the Chevy, decided to take Chevy at their word and try some slow, rocky, challenging off-roading that I would not normally do in a test vehicle. The ZR2 took it in stride without complaint or problem. Underway, the truck is quiet, solid, and impressive. The infotainment system was generally user-friendly. Two taps of the screen will always bring you back to home. With its elevated height, the driver enjoys a commanding outward view. Optional surround view cameras are a nice touch. Here's what I didn't like about the vehicle. There's no hand grip for the driver or rear seat passengers. Just one, ironically enough, for the front seat passenger. The height of the ZR2 makes it hard to get in and out without it. The infotainment system that I liked had too many buttons, actually. Headlamp and fog lamp control is buried in the controls and safety menu in the infotainment system. I did not like that. 
The home button's not easily identified as such, which seems to be a growing thing with some automakers. Chevy, you know, home is nice. Just, yeah. Full-size spare tires located under the cargo floor, <laughs> exposed to the elements. And if I'm taking this sucker off, this is the last place I want it. I got two like-to-haves, though. I'd like an electric winch built into the front bumper and a heads-up display, you know, so you can keep your eyes on the terrain in front of you. The split-folding rear seat offers space that I considered of dubious values value and featured an awkward-release lever in order to operate it. So here's the bottom line. The Chevy Colorado ZR2 lives up to the hype. Strong and capable, most drivers would have no problem taking this one far off-road, as I said earlier, is up for almost anything. And to that point, a winch really becomes necessary since it could be possible to be miles from anywhere. In short, its rugged good looks and impressive capabilities back up the hype. The base manufacturer's suggested retail price for the all-wheel drive Chevy Colorado ZR2 starts from $46,800. Destination charges add $1,495. I enjoyed driving this truck. I had a hard time getting in and out of it because it's high and it doesn't have any kind of uh, running boards. And that's a problem. If I'm not going to have the running boards, I need the hand grips, people. Either one is fine. And honestly, at a winch, I'm home. I think that's the, really the only thing. That and a rear tow hook. I got two in the front. I need one in the back because you might get into trouble. There's excitement to be had in the world of underground boring. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Do you listen to podcasts? Seems that most people do. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. If you missed any of our weekly episodes on the radio, our podcast is a great way to listen. You can find the Tech Mobility Podcast just about anywhere you can enjoy podcasts. Be sure to follow us. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many platforms in between, we are there. Just enter the Tech Mobility Podcast in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. Social media, it's the place to be who are no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Several times a week, I post to TikTok several of the topics that I cover on my weekly radio show. It's another way to keep up on mobility technology news and information. I've built quite a library of short videos for your viewing pleasure, so be sure to watch, like, and subscribe. That's the Tech Mobility Show on TikTok. Check it out. If you're just joining us, this is the Tech Mobility Show, and I'm Ken Chester. Above the earth, on the ground, under the ground, boring, really. While the technology for tunneling underground may have been largely unchanged for the last 100 years, in spite of Elon Musk and the Boring Company, underground tunnels may be having a moment, and this is Topic B. Thanks to advances in tunneling technology and the growth in automated zero emission vehicles, there is a mover foot to look at going underground to solve some of our transportation needs. As tunnels offer a more cost-effective solution than ever for cities seeking to reduce congestion and pollution and open up more land for livable space. Did you know, and I didn't until I did research for this particular piece, the talk about Chicago 
and they talk about some available tunnels under Chicago, which are not subway tunnels, that could be deployed to help with transportation issues. And in saying that, they said, Chicago is just one of 193 cities worldwide moving people below the surface. That's as of 2021. And I said, wait a minute, there are that many? If you'd asked me, I'd said maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 maybe? 193 around the world that have some sort of transportation below ground to move folk. Pretty cool. They talked about this particular narrow gauge railroad under the streets of Chicago. 40, 40 feet below the streets of Chicago lies a long abandoned tunnel system that could soon become part of the transformation of the modern urban movement. In the early 20th century, the Chicago Tunnel Company built a narrow gauge railway initially intended to carry excavated material from the installation of telephone lines. The system then moved mail and freight across the city for several decades until bankruptcy forced its abandonment in 1959. That is cool. Did not know that. An underground railroad. Wow. Literally. During his brief life, the tunnel also carried debris from the construction of the subway system, which now carries Chicagoans around the city. The article contends that underground is an underused resource for urban areas. But despite this 193 cities, they say that number is actually growing. Now, as municipalities seek solutions to the challenges of congestion, pollution, and building attractive environments, a new era for tunnels is dawning. It carries the promise of safer, healthier environments allied to new technologies in both infrastructure, construction, and the vehicles that use them. And the article deals with it, so I will address the elephant in the room. Those people who remember what we call in New England the Big Dig. It was an audacious project to expand the Mass Pike to Logan Airport. And to take the pressure off of two tunnels, the Sumner Tunnel and the Callahan Tunnel, which went under... Uh, uh, one of the rivers in Boston to get you to the airport. Roll in the two-lane uh, uh, Callahan Tunnel <laughs> was a trip. My dad worked for the airlines, and I'm telling you, it was a nightmare. That was also combined with actually burying what they called the Green Monster, which was the Southeast Expressway, which cut off Boston's waterfront from the city. They buried all that about 20, 30 years ago. And typical Massachusetts project over budget, <laughs> and, you know, fraud was involved. And that's kind of typical for a Massachusetts project. I'm sorry. Sorry, Commonwealth, but you know I'm right. In any case. Now, they said it alleviated traffic. One interesting aside, I drove the Ted Williams Tunnel about three weeks ago uh, in my trip back east. And anybody that tells you Logan Airport don't have traffic at 1 in the morning on a Tuesday is not telling you the whole truth. And if that's alleviating traffic, which, oh my God, I can't even imagine the way it used to be. But they said it did. And for most of that trip, it was fine till I got to the airport. Then we were in big time traffic. But they contend that tunnels are the answer. We've talked about vertical takeoff and landing vehicles uh, as the answer to congested streets. We've talked about Uber and other different alternative transportation modes as a way to get around congested streets. Now, tunnels are having a moment. The argument is that the appeal of tunnels as an alternative transit route in densely populated areas is clear. 
Road construction is disruptive and difficult in areas where space is at a premium, not to mention incredibly expensive for land acquisition when you can, which in most cases where you need this stuff, you can't. The breakthrough, ironically enough, that makes tunneling a thing now is the fact that we're moving to vehicles that don't have any emissions. And I don't know if you've noticed in any car tunnel you've been in, any railroad tunnel that you're in, the silent partner and necessary that makes that tunnel bearable is the huge uh, ventilation machines that they need to run to run millions of gallons of air through the tunnels, either pulling out um, toxic smoke or circulating the air. If those break down in a tunnel, you die, pure and simple. And it doesn't matter whether it's a car tunnel or railroad tunnel or whatever. With the move to uh, emission-free vehicles, that becomes less of an issue. And it also drops the price of having to build, maintain, and operate a tunnel because now you don't need those big air-moving machines in any tunnel. Or at the very least, you can downsize quite a bit from what you would normally need to move the noxious gases out to void the tunnel and keep, you know, keep people from getting asphyxiated in there. Lower emissions mean far less need in tunnels for costly ventilation. And a reduction in lane width following distance for autonomous vehicles enabled by automated control and communication between vehicles and infrastructure, vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure. We talked about that before. It's becoming a thing. This would be a benefit for tunnels. Leads to smaller tunnels and lower costs while increasing throughput because everything's automated. There are significant environmental gains to be made. The transportation sector was responsible for 29% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions in 2021, according to the EPA, with road traffic accounting for 81% of that. And while many initial tunnel use cases involve passengers, think about this. Moving freight underground would also be important. The 3% of road traffic made up by medium and heavy-duty trucks accounts for 28% of road emissions. If you can imagine, as we are moving, as trucking is moving through what I've widely reported on, the messy middle, as they are looking at decarbonizing the trucking industry, this could be another opportunity to get trucks off the street. And a lot of urban planners fantasize of getting trucks out of an urban core and returning it to the people. This would be one way to do that. And would be so much better because now it would be less dangerous. You would not have people having to dodge around heavy trucks because they'd be coming into the city either underground or some other way. But there'd be some level of separation between people walking, biking, enjoying the city and the trucks that need to deliver goods to that city and to those stores and to those uh, places that they require. Again, tunneling's having a moment. And all of this um, decarbonization is actually giving it a boost and dropping the prices of making it possible. It seems that even warehouse workers can be part of the gig economy. We are the Tech Mobility Show.
To learn more about the Tech Mobility Show, start by visiting our website. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. The website is a treasure trove of information about me and the show, as well as where to find it on the radio across the country. Keep up with the happenings at the Tech Mobility Show by visiting techmobility.show. That's techmobility.show. You can also drop us a line at talk at techmobility.show. Did you know that Tech Mobility has a YouTube channel? Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Each week, I upload a few short videos of some of the hot topics that I cover during my weekly radio program. I've designed these videos to be informative and entertaining. It's another way to keep up on current mobility and technology news and information. Be sure to watch, like, and subscribe to my channel. That's the Tech Mobility Show on YouTube. Check it out. Are you tired of juggling multiple apps and platforms for meetings, webinars, and staying connected? Look no further than AONMeetings.com, the all-in-one browser-based platform that does it all. With AON Meetings, you can effortlessly communicate with clients, host virtual meetings and webinars, and stay in touch with family and friends, all in one place and for one price. Here's the best part. You can enjoy a 30-day free trial. It's time to simplify your life and boost your productivity. AONMeetings.com, where innovation meets connection. Get started today and revolutionize the way you communicate. Social media is the place to be these days, and we're no exception. I'm Ken Chester of the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Instagram videos. From the latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary on a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Instagram. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. Well, that day's finally come when the nation's supply chain has collided with the gig economy. <laughs> Who knew? Logistics operators are giving workers more flexibility as competition for labor from Uber, Instacart, and other app-driven companies heats up. This is Topic C. We've reported at length about the number and quantity of brand new warehouses being built near major metropolitan areas. It's been an explosion of them. Some of the numbers I've read, it said that even in spite of all the new square feet added to warehouse space, that between now and 2025, another 1 billion square feet would be needed to make things work. That's how much our economy has changed. People wanting things <laughs> now or maybe five minutes before you actually realize you wanted it. Now I'm being a little facetious, but not by much. All this push, all this pressure, companies are going full tilt to get goods and services closer to the people who want them in shorter and shorter time frames. That has got a warehouse industry that's booming, but problem, they're competing with everybody else for workers. And um, I've worked in a warehouse and I can tell you it's hard work. It's hard work. It's demanding work. And you need to pay attention to what you're doing. So what are they doing? Something that actually, when you think about it, makes sense. And to be honest, something Amazon's doing already. They are evolving into a gig economy. What does that mean? They are designing their work schedules for people who want to dictate the when, where, how long they want to work and making it, and making it work. 
They're using software, not unlike what Uber and Amazon and others are using to schedule workers. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, would I consider something like that? Absolutely. To be able to control where you're working a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe I'm working two days a week in a warehouse for four hours a day each. Maybe that's all I want to deal with, as opposed to having to have it a full 40-hour, you know, full-time job. Maybe my attention span or my schedule says, you know what? It works to work Monday nights and Thursday nights, and that works for me. Now, even warehouses are saying, you know what? We'll make that work. That's what's going on right now. That is what's going on. You know, they're using software not unlike Uber or Lyft or Grubhub to fill Grubhub to fill slots. The flexibility in a field known for rigid schedules and grueling workloads is a sign that the practices of app-driven operators are seeping into more traditional workplaces, particularly in a tight market for blue-collar workers. Interesting side note. As I travel across the country from Iowa to New Hampshire and back, and there's a lot of companies that face the interstate, almost all of them were hiring. And a lot of blue-collar jobs were anywhere from $18 an hour. I've seen as high as $23.50 an hour. So there's a lot of competition out there. And there's a lot of folks, I mean, you know, honestly, if you are a person wanting to work right now and want a variety in your schedule, there's really no reason anymore for a wider variety of available jobs that you could have even more than before the pandemic. That right now, if anything, work at home has also spawned quality of life issues to where Instead of having to commit a 40-hour, eight, you know, five-day, 40-hour week or more, that you can break it up. Maybe you end up working for three or four different companies. Shoot, maybe three or four different warehouse companies in the course of a week. So you're not bored. And you can kind of do what you want. And you know what? They will be glad to have you. This is this one platform called Happy Gig. And you get... Employees hiring people on Happy Gig, for example, choose from a list of available workers rather than randomly being assigned to whoever's online. Workers set their availability in advance, for example, Thursdays and Fridays, and go through a background screening process with Happy Gig, whose clients include third-party logistics provider Kenco Group, Swedish appliance, I'm sorry, Swedish appliance manufacturer Electrolux, and carpet maker Shaw Industries. And... Honestly, I, I, I've seen this happen, really, really. When I worked in a dark store, uh, we had people that worked part-time, and we worked nights. They're glad to have them. They worked two days a week. That's, that's all we saw them. Two days a week, that's, that was it. You know, some people came in at certain hours. That's where this is going. So this is not surprising. Warehouses have long used staffing agencies to find workers, particularly for the peak holiday season. But some are looking to fill jobs when they need people in a more targeted way, such as a Monday morning to catch up with e-commerce orders that came in over the weekend. This is where we're going. People are getting more precise. And guess what? They're willing to pay for it now. People, companies realize that to get quality people, they got to put real money on the table. If there was ever a time in our history where the worker is in control, now is it. 
even in spite of this inflation, I still see tons of now hiring signs out there for pretty much anything you could conceive you want to do for a living. And people are throwing bonuses and vacation and all kinds of crazy stuff. The warehouse industry is just coming into the 21st century. And I think it would be pretty cool, actually. Now, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that about 22 million people were employed part-time by choice in September, up from 21 million a year earlier. And they don't track gig workers specifically, but the part-time workers is kind of a glimpse at where things are going. And the numbers are up. Imagine, I mean, if you got kids, you're stay-at-home parent, want to make some money on the side, or you need a schedule that is more flexible than a nine to five or an 11 to seven or a three to 11. This is the kind of stuff that is now becoming more prevalent. People are realizing that you can have your cake and eat it too, that you can find some work-life balance if you want it. And if you're willing to be flexible, the warehouse industry is getting on that bandwagon which I think is not a bad thing because, again, if you've been near any major metropolitan area in the last two to three years, you see nothing but brand new large warehouses. Des Moines the same way. Whole bunch of brand new large warehouses being built across the, across the Des Moines area. So, you know, things to think about. And maybe you're doing the gig thing now. And that's the other beautiful thing really doesn't matter how old you are. Can you do the work? Are you reliable? Can they count on you? Absolutely. Unlike before where your age was a liability, it's not anymore. They need workers. They're willing to pay for it. Being reliable, dedicated, and dependable cuts the mustard regardless of your age. If you can do the work, they ain't looking at how old you are. They want to know, can you do the work? Will you show up? (laughs) That's the thing. So, even companies with sticking with traditional full-time logistic workers are looking at how they can learn from the gig economy model to attract and keep employees. Imagine that. We've come to the end of our program. Be sure to join me again next time right here. This has been the Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. For those of you that listen to podcasts, we have just the one for you. Hi, I'm Ken Chester. Tech Mobility Topics is a podcast where I upload topic-specific videos each week. Shorter than the full show, these bite-sized programs are just the thing, particularly if you're interested in a particular topic covered on the weekly radio show. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many podcast platforms in between, we got you covered. Just enter Tech Mobility Topics in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. Social media, it's the place to be who are no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Several times a week, I post to TikTok several of the topics that I cover on my weekly radio show. It's another way to keep up on mobility, technology, news, and information. I've built quite a library of short videos for your viewing pleasure, so be sure to watch, like, and subscribe. That's the Tech Mobility Show on TikTok. Check it out. To learn more about the Tech Mobility Show, start by visiting our website. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. 
The website is a treasure trove of information about me and the show, as well as where to find it on the radio across the country. Keep up with the happenings at the Tech Mobility Show by visiting techmobility.show. That's techmobility.show. You can also drop us a line at talk at techmobility.show. Do you listen to podcasts? Seems that most people do. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. If you missed any of our weekly episodes on the radio, our podcast is a great way to listen. You can find the Tech Mobility Podcast just about anywhere you can enjoy podcasts. Be sure to follow us. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many platforms in between, we are there. Just enter the Tech Mobility Podcast in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts.